With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Jake Gardner podcast. I'm your host, Brett Finger, and no Justin Lape this week. Uh, he is uh, being, he's busy. Let's just say he's busy. But we have a very special guest, the one and only managing editor of CaneCentury.com, Brian LeBlanc. Hello, Brian. Hello. I know you're disappointed that I'm not Jake Gardner, but I... Uh... <laughs> I I have a feeling that... The, I am not. Uh, so. I, I, have, I have a feeling that most of the listeners will be happy that you're not Jake Gardner, uh, <laughs> given what's been going their, on lately. They might be yelling at their podcast player if I was. So, exactly. You know. Exactly. And by the way, those podcast players, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Canes Country Podcast, not featuring Jake Gardner, but it is featuring Brian LeBlanc this week again. Uh, second time in three podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Something hey, like that. Yeah. You know we what? didn't have an episode last week because of Thanksgiving. They, they I, I even said mean things about Star Wars on the last time I was on the show. And you they did. Me back, so, you, know. you did. Uh, I tried to forget about that. The, but the mir- Miracles do happen, folks. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You didn't offend me enough to not come back on, but you're getting a little close to the line. Yeah. Speaking you know. of getting close to the line and then turning the puck over and then getting scored on, um, the Hurricanes lost three of four since uh, over the, their last four. Uh, they finished out November with a win in Tampa, but they lost to New York in New York, and then they lost to Nashville right after Thanksgiving, and then that's the win in Tampa. First game in December, new slate, 56, really solid minutes of hockey, and then a 2 nothing loss. So, Brian, talk to me about the last four and what have you taken away from a pretty inconsistent and mostly bad? Yeah, mostly bad, but there are there are things that went well. Uh, James Reimer has been very good, uh, probably deserved better. Uh, well, definitely deserved better against Boston. I mean, he kept the team in it, and there was nothing he could do on either of the goals. Um, you know, it'd be nice to get him a little bit of support. Uh, but he's he's come on nicely, and Peter Mrazek hasn't taken a step back. So to the extent that I was worried about goaltending, was, I was a little bit, but not really. Um, I don't think that overusing Morazic um, is much of a concern anymore. I was a little worried about that, you know, maybe two, three weeks ago. But right now, that doesn't seem to be a problem. So that's, you know, something that's moving in the right direction. Fact of the matter is right now the Hurricanes have to score goals. And in three of the la- or two of the last three games, they've been shut out. And eight of nine of their last nine periods, they've been shut out. The only time they got on the scoreboard was when they dropped three on the lightning, yeah. uh, you know, in that game that they had to hold on to win, which, you know, they held, they had to hold on to win. And you can look at that and say, well, they should have held the lead, but they did hold the lead. You know, they, they got away. They got out of Tampa with two points. Good for them. Uh, that's a tough place to get two points. And they did it. So let's not nitpick. But the fact of the matter is the other two games, the loss against the Predators and the loss against the Bruins, 
not only were they shut out, but they didn't really look like they had that many great scoring opportunities in either of those games. Uh, Nino Niederreiter came probably the closest in either of them when he hit the post against the Bruins. And God, wouldn't it be nice to see him, you know, finally get a goal. It would. Um, you know, he's, you know, yes, he needs to score, but boy, he can, he's come as close as anybody possibly can. It's painful at this point. Yeah, I know. Right. It's Isn't really it? painful. If you feel for the guy because Cause he's doing know, everything right. Because he's, sure. really, he's doing pretty much everything right except what he's paid five and a quarter to, <laughs> yeah, true. to do. So well, that's that's a that's a pretty big elephant in the corner, to be fair. But yeah. you know, he is he he deserves better than what he's gotten. He does the last few games, but with Martin Natchez out, uh, you know that's they've been relying a lot on him. Obviously, Andrei Svechnikov still doing his thing. He's fine. He's not an issue. Sebastian Ajo hasn't been much of an issue, but. You've got to get more out of, I think, three players in particular. Niederreiter's one, Jordan Stahl is two, and Ryan Dezingle's three. And right now you're not getting anything, you know, scoring-wise out of those three players. And with Natchez on the shelf, that's one more guy that, you know, isn't able to score for you because he's not playing next to Eric Halla. So, you know, there are some real issues right now, and the answers aren't going to be easy. And just one of these guys just needs to get going. And I know it's easy for us to sit here on a podcast and say that, but <laughs> – it's true. I mean, you pay these, maybe not stall so much, but you're paying to Zingle and Niederreiter to score goals. And right now they're not doing it and it's costing the team. It is. And especially, you know, they, uh, they put Niederreiter back up with Ajo and Tara Vinen in Boston and probably in hopes of getting him going. And they, they're kind of spreading out, you know, the, the love, I guess, with, with Sveshnikov down with the stall line. Um, who was playing with them? I think Fogel was on that line with, mm-hmm. with Stahl and Svechnikov. So it's tough right now, especially when you factor in that Natchez is out and Hall is out. I mean, those are two huge pieces. Um, yeah. I think Rod talked about it today after practice. Uh, he, you know, Those are two really important pieces of what they're doing, both at even strength and on the power play. Um, so at some point, something has to give offensively in you know you, you had that first line that was doing pretty well for the most part in Teravine and Ajo Sveshnikov but what's it going to take to get offense out of the Jordan Stahl line and the Lucas Walmark line because right now they're really not getting anything and it's it's mm-hmm. it's a problem no and Dougie Hamilton has slowed down just a smidge I mean he's still He's still good. I mean, there's, you know, still good. He's just kind of coming back to earth a little bit. I think he isn't scoring every game. He's not scoring every game. You know, Jacob Slavin somehow put the puck through the side of the net last night, which was a great shot, but doesn't count. (laughs) Um, You know, but nobody's really counting on Jacob Slavin to score goals. Um, It's nice when he does. And honestly, sometimes when guys like that or when Edmondson was on his heater a couple weeks ago, um, sometimes that could mask over the fact that you're not getting much production out of your top, like your top six, your top nine. Edmondson slowed down. The Hurricanes aren't getting much in the way of offense from the uh, much maligned Jake Gardner right now, even though he's controlling possession. And I know we'll talk about him, but they're not getting, they're not getting much. They're not getting many yeah. points out of him right now. And so they don't have, you know, the cover to paper over the fact that a lot of their forwards are underachieving right now. And that's a problem. And the Hurricanes badly need somebody to get going, whether it's to single 
whether it's Nita Ryder, throw Fogel in there because he's the kind of guy that when he gets on a hot streak, you yeah. know, he can rip off a week or two where he could put in three, four goals. But that would be really helpful right now if he could do that. And he's capable of it. The Hurricanes just need him to do it. And mm-hmm. so far, he hasn't been able to. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of guys who are capable, but like you said, just aren't doing it. Um, so let's not mess around anymore. Let's get into the Jake Gardner talk. Um, I want okay. I want to personally thank Jake for um, that shift against Boston. And I'm glad he did it the day after I wrote 1,400 <laughs> words in defense. Wrote of nice him. things about him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, joke's on me for defending yeah, right. anyone. Um, <laughs> so... Well, I mean, hey, in your in your defense, I I wrote something very similar. I mean, it was kind of a, a tangential thing when I wrote about Hayden Fleury a couple of weeks ago and said that, you know, I'm not defending Gardner being in the lineup over Fleury. And I know we'll talk about the the relative um, the relative merits of playing seven defensemen in a little bit. Uh, I'm not necessarily making the case for Gardner to stay in the lineup at Fleury's expense. But when you look at the numbers, you can kind of understand why he is. Even though yeah. he's not scoring, his possession numbers are really, really good. And we know yeah. that the Hurricanes rate those very highly. And so, you know, it's – it's. It, what do you believe? You know, the, the numbers out of page are your own lying eyes. And right now it's, he's doing a lot of things they ask him to do. But some of the stuff that he's doing that's screwing up I don't think is necessarily quantified uh, by what the numbers capture. Exactly, and that's the, the give and the take. And uh... – I, I mean, I defended him for his for his possession numbers and his expected numbers and all that kind of stuff. But what it ultimately comes down to is he's a minus eighteen and he has six points. That's that's ultimately what it comes down to right now. Especially if you're the Hurricanes and you're losing three or four and you're struggling offensively, and you you go fifty five or fifty six minutes in Boston of zero zero hockey, wherein they played pretty well. Um, they didn't generate the offense, but they did a good job uh, holding Boston away, especially on the power play for Boston. Uh, they shut them down pretty effectively, uh, almost mm-hmm. silencing them totally, which is really difficult to do. Um, and then it's it's the one mistake that gets amplified, and that's what everybody remembers from the game. People, I mean, you forget about the 56 minutes of really good hockey because – what stands out is the turnover at the blue line and then the rush the other way that leads to a goal on Reimer, who, again, like you said, has been playing very, very well. Um, it's For me, it's tough with Gardner because the, the, the analytics are great. Um, but they're, they're st- I mean, it's still troubling because he's a minus 18. You can put however much weight into plus minus that you want. Minus 18 at this point in the season on a playoff team is pretty staggering at, at this point. Yeah, and I mean, we realize that plus minus is a flawed stat. Um, but to be fair, Gardner doesn't kill penalties. So it's not like, you know, it's the fact that he's, you know, on a ton of penalty kill minutes and giving up goals that way. Um, just something captured in the numbers when you look at it and when you see him play he's playing tentatively he's not you know yeah, forcing the issue and it. this is it's it, it's it's frustrating to watch because yeah the possession numbers are good but everybody's possession numbers are good for the hurricanes that's the game they play it lends itself to having really good possession numbers and 
So, uh, so Gardner's minus 18 is, it sticks out like a sore thumb because, you know, yeah, plus minus isn't great, but it's okay to compare guys, you know, on the same team because generally everybody plays the same system and his is miles beyond where anybody else is. I think they might only have two, one other guy in double digit minuses. I mean, it's not do they much. Do not have anybody else in? It might. Digit? It may not be. After, it may do. not be. I think be the second worst night. is Nino Niederreiter with like a minus six or seven. It's something, something like, like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought that he might have been closer to, to eight or nine, but regardless, I mean, when when you look at that by itself, you can see that something's not adding up with with Gardner. Um, I wonder if there's an injury. You know, he he had a yeah. bad back at the end of last year, and you know, he said it was fine, but. You know, mean, who knows? Maybe that's that, part yeah. of the reason it, right? Well, what, maybe that's part of the reason it took him so long to sign with anybody, because I mean, he was signed basically on the eve of training camp, yeah. and you would think that for the guy that was kind of pinpointed as the number one defenseman on the market, for him to sign with the team until August was a surprise to say the least. And I wonder if we're seeing another Dougie Hamilton situation here, because Hamilton was playing with an injured hand the first half of last year really looked like he had trouble adjusting and then all of a sudden just took off once, once he got healed up. And I wonder if we're seeing the same thing with Gardner here. It's not the same system, obviously to be played in Toronto, but it's a system that should play to his strengths. And so it just makes me wonder if something's not quite right. That's just throwing his timing off just enough. And then, you know, that kind of snowballs into a confidence thing, which again, numbers don't really capture you could see on the turnover he had last night he was playing the puck i use the word again playing the puck very tentatively yeah he easy for me to say couldn't make a decision you know he was sitting couldn't there make as, a as boston players converged on him and you could sense oh no right you're like yeah, oh and, and I, you, yeah. could, you could tell that as soon you could tell that as soon as i think it was stanton heinen uh pressured him and forced that turn and you know tried to force the turn you could see it coming from a mile away yeah he just he just bobbled the puck and coughed it up and that's a that's a confidence thing that's not necessarily a guy that's you know you know i don't want to say he's out of the right frame of mind because i you know having talked to him he's definitely in the right frame of mind and he wants he recognizes he needs to do better but something's just not adding up and i wonder if something's just lingering that's keeping him from being as effective as he should be on a team that should play with strengths more than it is yeah and especially with with players like gardner and hamilton last year they're freewheeling you know puck moving puck carrying defensemen and if you're not if you're not healthy that's a huge that's a huge deal especially if you rely on your ability to move around the ice and i wrote about it in in that gardner thing he doesn't look like he's skating comfortably like it look i don't know if this is just like how he skates or or whatever but like it looks like he like he has a hitch in his in his stride at times when he's when he's moving like laterally in the defensive zone it's it's it doesn't look right it doesn't look natural um right um but but you know at this point i'm i'm like because we we know jake garner is a a very risk-taking defenseman but he's not this bad like there's no point in his career has he been a minus 18 caliber player on a, on a good team like this so i'm i'm just i'm i'm confused and and it's kind of the stuff adding on top of each other you you don't play well for 20 games and then 
in the process, you you get less ice time, and now he's only getting what sixteen minutes a night, and he's never gotten less than twenty on any te- on any Leaf team his eight seasons prior. So now he's getting only sixteen minutes, and he's playing with TVR and Flurry when the original plan was to put him with Pesci, mm-hmm. and then Edmondson had that point streak, so he took that spot on the second pairing, and now you have to wonder like what would it take for him to get another chance with Pesci one and then two if he was to get that chance could he even make good on it because is he is he healthy because I think there's a lot of questions going on that is is troubling considering that the Hurricanes are 28 games into a four-year 16 million dollar commitment to the player so they don't have really much of an option outside of figuring it out whether it's sitting him and no. letting him heal like they have to figure this out no and i don't think they can afford to sit him and let him heal because you know the the good jake gardner helps your team and, and it's not like he's right played now, bad jake gardner is not right. helping the team no it's it's not i mean he's doing a lot of the things they ask him to do yeah yeah again it goes back to the possession numbers it goes back to expected goal percentage you know all these things are in his favor. I mean, not only in his favor, he's like top 10 in the league in some of these yeah. stats. So, I mean, and there's, yeah. And, and you look at there, the, there's something, yeah. You look at the PDO. I mean, that is awful. Like a 921 yeah. is atrocious. Yeah. And, and, and when that's you, not, and yeah. that's not all on save percentage either. Yeah. And, and when you factor in the amount of chances that he's on the ice for, for and against in high danger areas, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. Like his on ice shooting percentage is like two percent. It's 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 wild, and yeah, it's you wonder ridiculous. what what there's no is way that's going on. Same. Like it's it's like he's he's not this bad, and that's why it's so no. confusing. Because I don't think because literally everyone when Gardner signed Carolina, they were like, "Wow, that was a that's a good deal for a player like him," because he's an established right. top four defenseman, and now you see the wheels start to fall off and then it gets worse and worse because, you know, all, all these situations that I talked about a few minutes ago. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything that's really going to change. Um, I think that he's most likely just to hang around, um, stay part of the team, maybe get a scratch here or there, but I think for that to happen, um, somebody else is really going to have to outplay him. And to this point, T. VR and Flurry have been fine, but neither of them, I mean, neither of them are significantly underplaying Gardner, but they're not, you know, head and shoulders above him either. And un- unless that, until and unless that changes, I think it's basically going to be status quo. Yeah. I think he just has to work through it. Speaking of unlucky, like Jake Gardner, uh, injuries have been pretty unlucky for Carolina recently. Eric yeah, Holler, totally about it. Eric Holler remains out with that knee. Um, Martin Natchez, very scary incident. Uh, Yoni Pickinen esque in against the Predators. He's slid into the boards. Uh, he's been out and hasn't skated since that Nashville game. And Svechnikov was out of practice today, but it, he's Brendan Moore said that he'll play on Thursday. So they went with eleven forwards, seven defensemen again. Uh, I don't think they've won. I think they're something like 0-4-1 this season when they go with 11 forward, 7 defensemen. So, right, yeah, and they keep going with it. They called up Brian Gibbons, so there's another forward to add to the fray. Um, I think, are we, or do you think we're done with the 11-7, or is this, obviously it has something to do with 
the cap construction and, and yeah. all that. So it's, it's even more than just what they want to do or what they have to do. How do you feel about the 11-7 configuration and is having Brian Gibbons up a significant upgrade? I think it's kind of overblown, honestly. Okay. I don't think that it's that big of a deal. Um, I think it's more... Nothing that I've seen in the games where they've played seven defensemen leads me to think that it's a structural thing that's keeping them from scoring goals when you've only got 11 forwards versus 12. I mean, because again, Brian they Gibbons played is, well in Boston. Right, yeah. For 55 minutes of that exactly, game, they yeah. could have won that game against a team that's lost three times in regulation all year. Yeah. So, you know, that wasn't that wasn't the issue. 11-7 wasn't the issue last night for sure. Um, now, what I'd like to see going forward is a recognition that they need to the the construction of the team as it stands right now needs to take precedence over any future theoretical cap construction or configuration or anything like that that's the one thing that i really disagree with team on um up to this point this season is that they've really had trouble for whatever reason um managing like being in a spot where they need to manage the cap um you know you could you could you could say that the the taking on patrick marlowe's contract was short-sighted um i tend to think it probably was especially when they went out to get gardner um and you know spend themselves basically up to the cap and need to save space for somebody justin williams to come back (laughs) or or get traded at some point because i think that the likelihood is probably pretty good they'll make a trade at some point face open and i frankly don't think they've done a very good job of making sure that everything balances out and keeping them in scenarios where they're having to play a lesser lineup to get around you know what they might need to do further down the road it almost seems like they're they have trouble looking past the end of their nose a little bit um brian gibbons isn't getting called up to fix any goal scoring problems let's be real um, what? In fact, he's he's one of the worst. He's one of the worst possession skaters in the NHL uh, this season. If you look at the numbers, from a certain point, possession of view, stats yes. are that is his, his possession stats are terrible. But then he's on the fourth line, so I mean, you're not you're not playing in 19 minutes a night. And it, you know, in an ideal world, shouldn't matter. But you know, does it matter whether you have seven defensemen playing and you have to double shift? You know, Sebastian Aho or, J- or Jordan Stahl on the fourth fourth line every other shift or whether brian gibbons is there to take a regular shift i don't think it matters that much and, and that's why in i think some this whole cases, thing is really overblown in some cases it might even be an advantage if you're playing your best player more with the fourth line sure sometimes yeah it's it could not, be but sometimes it is i think so yeah I, i'm with you on all that it it's overblown but yeah they, they i don't it think it's very it significant it's it's kind of yeah. yeah it's kind of something that probably we on the outside as people who are not playing are like, Oh, this is a thing. And probably in reality, the players, eh, not really. So I don't think, it, I don't think it affects them either way. Um, yeah. The, the only, I, I really, really don't. The only player I could think it could affect is a Hayden flurry who uh-huh. sees like four minutes or whatever. That's, yeah. that's really, that's where the only thing is really. maybe a Clark Bishop type, but I mean, again, yeah, it's Clark Bishop. Yeah. You know what you're getting. You know yeah. what you're getting from him, whether forwards on the roster or 12. So, exactly. you know, it doesn't make that much of a difference. Exactly. So, speaking of not much of a difference, uh, there wasn't much of a difference between their wins and their losses for the Hurricanes in November. Um, 
eight and seven record in November, a plus three goal differential. Uh, special teams were very good, twenty percent on the power play, eighty six percent on the penalty kill. But it's it's a very even month, and it, this was supposed to be a month where they played weak opponents and they yep. they got the points. And we're yep. sitting here on December first week of December, and we're looking at an eight and seven month in November. So they didn't take advantage of those those supposed gimmies that were not gimmies ultimately. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's probably a little unfair to call them gimmies, but a team it's that NHL, had yeah. a team that has hundred point aspirations should be doing better than eight and seven against that. They schedule. can't lose to the Rangers twice. Let's just be honest. No, no, there's no reason they should lose. To- the Rangers twice. In fact, they probably shouldn't have lost to the Rangers. They should have lost to the Flyers. They certainly shouldn't have lost to the Devils, who just fired the yeah. coach. Yeah. I mean, again, all division games, and I think the division versus non-division thing is, I don't think it really has any bearing. It's not like they look at the schedule like, oh my god, we're playing the Flyers. <laughs> Everybody grasp your stick tighter. That's not the way it works. It's, it's you know, it's it's a it's a fluke more than anything else, I think. Yeah, but a coincidence. you know, what? Yeah, whether or not whether or not it's a fluke, it still puts them, you know, in a spot where they shouldn't be at this point of the season. They should be, I think, they should be above the Flyers in the standings right now. And if they and beat the Flyers twice, they are right. <laughs> they are, yeah. I mean, as as we record this, they they they're going to be in a playoff spot at the end. We're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, the, the Penguins play tonight, so if the Penguins win, they'll jump over the Hurricanes into the first wild card spot. But the Hurricanes are still guaranteed to be in a playoff spot tomorrow or Thursday when they uh, face San Jose. Um, but San Jose's gotten better; they've gotten their act together. They've gotten a lot better. Um, Minnesota's gotten their act together. That's not going to be a pushover of a game. So, you know, what have we learned about the Hurricanes? That honestly. Maybe maybe handling prosperity and making that next jump is still a thing that they need to they need to work out because remember the first part of last season they were not they weren't getting the results they probably deserved and then they went on a ridiculous run to make the playoffs and so this is kind of new territory for them where they've been expected from you know day one they should be on a hundred point pace mm-hmm. and right now they're close to it I think they're on about a ninety eight point pace something like that yeah. which is fine. It's not disastrous. They had no. 99 points last year. Yeah. Not disastrous at all. 98 points will get you in the playoffs you know, nine times out of ten, even yeah. with how good the Metro is this year. I'm not worried about that. I'm not. I'm still not worried about them making the playoffs. It's too I am a little that, bit worried yeah. about. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little bit worried about that they they haven't quite figured out how to handle success yet, mm. and there are too many occasions where you know they just come out and lay an egg, and you know getting over that next hump is definitely a thing. And, you know, maybe they flew a little too close to the sun in the playoffs last year. And, you know, Hey, you know, we, we swept the Islanders, the hundred point team. We got past the Capitals who, you know, were the defending cup champions and, you know, yeah, we got swept by the Bruins, but Hey, they're the Bruins. They went to game seven of the Stanley cup final. So yeah, you know, we're good. We're, you know, we're where we should be. And, you know, they, they kind of got out a little bit ahead of themselves a little bit. And, you know, with the exception of guys like Svechnikov, you know, seriously, and the Hamilton who have seriously improved over last year, yeah. that's still something they have to work on. And, and you know, once they get that together, they should be fine. They continue on this pace. We're going to have these little lulls and we'll have the high points. And, 
If it averages out to a 9,900 point season, then fine. They'll make the playoffs and they'll be safely in. I don't think that's going to be an issue, but you would like to see a little bit more consistency from game to game. And that's the thing that more than anything I think was lacking in November. Yeah. Uh, they're good, but they're not good enough to, you know, kind of coast through the season by any means. They, they're they very much in still in the transitional stage, like you said, from going, they went from irrelevant to in a playoff spot. They had that run, and now the expectation from everyone was that you're, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to take a step back. You're going to take a step forward. But right now it kind of feels like, they're evened out and they have to figure out what it's going to take for them to, you know, play at a higher level. I think that Boston game was a perfect example of where they're at right now. They can hang with Mm -hmm. pretty much every team in this league, but they're not quite there. Like they're not there yet. They're not a Boston. And you see that like when you, when they go head to head, they're close, but they're just not there. To be fair, I don't think anybody was expecting them to be Boston this year. I mean, yeah, I don't but think, I think that just many like people a step them. forward. Yeah, a step forward would be nice, but a step forward could be finishing third in the Metro rather could, than being yeah. the first wild card team the way they were last sure. year. Or you know, a step forward could be 101 points versus 99. I mean, you could take a step forward and not have it be you know a dramatic, a, step you know, a ridiculous, a dramatic step yeah. forward. You know, a, a a turnaround like what the Islanders did last year. Yeah or something like that. It doesn't have to be super dramatic like that, but you'd like to see something, just some ongoing confidence building that, you know, two out of every three games, you're going to be in good shape. And every once in a while, you might run into a problem and you might run into a situation where you lay an egg. Every team lays an egg. Uh, the year the Hurricanes won the cup, they lost nine, nothing to the Thrashers. The Thrashers, yeah. have, you know, were terrible. Uh, it happens. And, and I'm not, that worried about it right now, but I would like to see a little bit more consistency from the Hurricanes uh, in December, which is not going to be an easy month for them. I know we're going to talk about the schedule, so let's get to that right now. Uh, they play 13 games, eight of them are on the road, and five of them are in one road trip when they go out west. They visit four Canadian teams and Colorado. Boy, if you come out of that, if you come out of that road trip with six points, you're doing great. Oh, man, I that's, think. A, that's a massive one. Yeah. I mean, even even four points, I think, out of that trip would be fine. You're probably targeting Calgary and Winnipeg for the two games that you can, you know, theoretically win. Maybe you steal a point in Vancouver, but the Hurricanes have been garbage in Vancouver forever. Yeah. Uh, um, You know, Edmonton's playing tough, and God, can you imagine uh, Jake Gardner getting left on the ice after an icing against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? Avert your eyes. And then Colorado's kind of hitting their stride. That is a really brutal road trip. And that's why it was so to make that's why it was so important for them to make hay against the exactly. Flyers and the Devils of the world in November. Because, you know, the Rangers are on the schedule again, but they're on the schedule at Madison Square Garden where the hurricanes stink. So, mm-hmm. you know, something's gotta give. And boy, we're gonna learn a lot about the hurricanes, I think, when they go on the road uh starting next Tuesday against Edmonton. That's a that's a gauntlet. That is yeah, that, that, no that is, kidding. We're saying that the easiest games to win are Calgary, who finished atop the West last season. Right. And I know right. that it's gone downhill uh, for a lot of reasons this season. But it's still Calgary. They still, you know, it's Calgary. And then it's Winnipeg, yeah. who, again, 
uh, we're not very far removed from them being a cup contender favorite to some. So this is this is tough, and they're gonna have to, like you said, they're gonna have to show a lot, especially if yeah you you don't obviously this is a this is a couple weeks from now, but if they don't have an Eric Hollow back in the lineup. If for whatever reason Natchez yep. isn't back, I mean, those, uh, it's tough to imagine them going out and having much success against some really strong teams. It does ease up a little bit in the second half of the month once they get back from from that trip. They get the Panthers at home. That should be a winnable game. I mean, maybe maybe Bobrovsky's got it figured out by then, but if nothing else, that should be a get right game for the offense at the Leafs in an afternoon game a couple days before Christmas. That never ends well then you have uh, then you have a back-to-back after christmas at the rangers home of the caps those are two potential losses and then you're home on new year's eve to the canadians and at that point that might be a must win even though it's december 31st i mean the canadians are kind of getting their act together and who's to say after the hurricanes run this gauntlet if they get you know if they if they're if they're still clinging to a wild card spot at the end of, of December, then something will have gone pretty right, honestly. Because yeah. I mean, when you look at the standings, Tampa's lurking down there. Uh, you know, you know that they're gonna they're gonna be coming up. Pittsburgh has I, I don't understand how in the world they're doing this with as many injuries they have as they have. Their defense only is suddenly great. Right, yeah. Jack Johnson suddenly has turned into a He's going to serviceable North. NHL player. Who knew? And right as it stands right now. Paul's got 30 points. Toronto's got 30 points. Either of those teams could easily be, be above the Hurricanes by the end of December. And then you've got, and then, like I said, then you've got the lightning lurking down there. So, boy, it is not going to be easy at all. And if they're, if they're still in a playoff spot, we're going to learn a lot one way or another about the Hurricanes in December. If they can get out of December and they're in the playoff spot, I think they'll have kind of gotten through the toughest part of their schedule and – because it eases you up, know, and, and when, I might feel a little the, better. It does the, ease up. When the calendar turns, a lot of home games start piling up, and I think it's a five-game home stand right at the beginning of the year. So right, it starts. It starts on New Year's Eve. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right now, the Hurricanes are sitting at thirty-three points in twenty-eight games. They've got twenty-four points on offer in the next month. I mean, assume you know, discounting the fact the Boston games already happened. So twelve games, twenty-four points. So let's say they get. 15 points out of those 20 out of those 12 games so decent points percentage is about where they're at right now and they're sitting there with 48 points at the end of november having played 40 games that's not terrible and that you know equates it might not equate out to a great um you know it might not equate out out to a great um uh, projection but you're still projecting the 96 points at that point 98 mm-hmm. points not terrible. Would you want more? Probably. But after going through this gauntlet, I think 15 points is probably I should think, be your target. Yeah. If, if they can tread December. water right now through December, yeah. they set themselves up pretty well. Because, again, the schedule does ease up a, a pretty fair amount once the mm-hmm. calendar switches. One thing to keep in mind, the Penguins have played uh, 15 home games out of 27. They're 10-3 and two at home. They're going on the road a decent bit, and they haven't been great on the road. They've only won four games all year on the road. So they've got. I know they've got a lot of. Uh, they they don't see the Hurricanes until was it like February or something like that. So you know these are going to be kind of boats passing in the night. But <laughs> you know they haven't been great away from home, and they've got a lot of road games coming up. Um, about the same time that the Hurricanes 
uh, go on the road themselves. I mean, I know they're the Penguins are home uh, tonight, well, Wednesday night against the Blues, and then they, they're actually on a, a run, but then they get the Western road swing right before they get the week after the hurricanes do. So they get mm-hmm. Calgary Edmonton, Vancouver the week before Christmas and then come home for um, a couple games against Nashville and Ottawa at the end. So again, they're at home. They're good at home. They could bank some points at home, but they're going to run into the same roadblock. The hurricanes are going to run into just a week later. It all evens out every year. It all evens out eventually. It does. Eventually. Um, I think that's a podcast. Brian, would you agree? I think so. All right. I think that sounds pretty good. Wonderful. Um, Brian, thank you very, very much for, for coming yep, on again. You bet. You're always wonderful. Glad to where, do it. where can the kind people who listen to this podcast follow you on Twitter? Uh, I'm on Twitter at BD LeBlanc. The, the site's at Kane's Country, uh, also on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can follow us there, but we... Uh, we're everywhere. We're everywhere, everywhere you want to be, including in your ears on this very podcast. Oh, yes. And uh, we're also on your ears, in your ears, not on your ears, in your ears, on Spotify, yes. Stitcher, literally everywhere you want to listen to a podcast, you can find the Kane's Country Podcast and you can subscribe. Please review, rate the podcast. Uh, that helps a lot. And uh, we would very much appreciate that. Uh, I'm at Brett underscore finger on Twitter. This has been the Kane's Country Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.